Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, to the first verse, and it is a wonderful declaration that tells us something about the Lord that not everyone came up with the same spiritual upbringing. To the ones that have didn't get to grow up going to church, didn't get to grow up knowing things that the scriptures tell us about God, this is one of the foundational truths. If you're ever sharing with someone who, maybe they're, it's all new to them. They haven't been exposed to the gospel. They don't know about it. This is a great place to introduce them to an attribute that God shares about himself with us. John is going to record it for us. And remember, John said he had seen these things, he had heard them, his hands had actually handled this word concerning this word of life, he said. It was Jesus. He was there. He actually was the one, the man writing this is the man who leaned on Jesus's breast at the Last Supper. When John writes these words, to me, these have an even greater significance because this is the guy who was leaning on the Lord there at that Last Supper. He's the one who writes about himself in third person when he writes the Gospel of John. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's me. Now, by the way, couldn't all of us write the disciple whom Jesus loved? The disciple means a follower. Anyone who follows the Lord, does the Lord love you? Well, let's find that out this morning. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, see how, how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. He says, For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. But, beloved, now we are the children of God. It has not yet appeared what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him just as He is. This is one of the truths that John knew, because He was there. In fact, he was there, we read in the book of Acts, when Jesus, he had risen and he had, over the course of many days, presented himself alive from the grave. It says that the uh, heavens were opened and the disciples were standing there and the angels actually said to the disciples, why, men of Galilee, do you stand there with your mouth unhinged? Gawking is the word we put it into in English, but I mean, they literally, their jaws dropped. The angels are like, why is your jaw dropping? Don't you know that this Jesus that you have seen? Now, what, what did they just see? Now, wait a minute. You got to go to the story. What happened that their jaw was dropping? And why were they standing there looking up like this? And what were they watching? What took place there in the book of Acts that made this, this reaction happen? Well, the scripture says the skies were opened and Jesus was taken up. You guys have heard this part, right? He ascended to the right hand of God the Father. He went up and he took his place in heaven. Now some people, when they talk about heaven, they talk about heaven like it's really far away. But I submit to you that heaven is not far away. It's just veiled. It'd be like being at a movie theater and you got the screen there and they're projecting the, this scene, you know, with, with all the boat and the clouds and the sky and water and, and you're looking at it going, oh, isn't that a beautiful scenery right there? Picture in your mind that you're in a theater and you're looking at this scene and someone comes from behind the screen and takes a blade and cuts through the screen and opens it up. 
And from behind the screen, you see there this one radiant white, just brilliant light. And the description in the book of Revelation of God is even his light so magnificent. You know, within light are all the different, well, if you take a prism, that little triangular piece of glass and crystal, and you put the light, sunlight into it, what happens to it as it passes through that? It refracts and, and it, it breaks apart into the different spectrums. And you see those, what we call the colors of the rainbow, as the light is separated. But the Bible describes that God's perfect light will create bows round about him. I, I don't know how exactly it'll be, but his light is so pure, so full, so bright, that, I don't know, if he just moves his arm like this and all of a sudden rainbows, he looks over this way and and the whole shift of light changes and all the, all the colors of light all radiating around him. Now, if someone like that cut the screen of the sky and peeled it back and you saw him, what would you do? This is what happened. I mean, th these guys actually had this happen. God peeled the sky open and they went, oh. And the angel spoke to them. Do you not know that this Jesus, whom you have just seen go, to the Father, will in like manner, he's going to come again. And in the book of Revelation, you guys that are students of the word, you know that it says that the blast of the trump of the angel will blow and, and it says the sky will be rent in two. It will be like that curtain peeled open and there will come Jesus, radiant white, light just shining forth and he'll have written on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of, of lords. And he will come, and that sky, when it peels open and he comes, he's riding on a white flying horse. Anyone up for a flying horse? Oh, by the way, who's following the Lord when he comes back and the sky is open? Is, he doesn't come by himself. It says there's myriads, ten thousands of ten thousands. Are we, in English, we translate that, that's the Hebrew way of saying millions. Ten thousands of ten thousands. Hundreds of thousands of believers will be flying on horses behind him. And he will come, and it says he will slay the wicked with a sword, a word that comes out of his mouth. Just a word. This is like the ultimate fight between good and evil. And how much fighting does Jesus' whole army do? Basically nothing. They just ride horses. Fly around. And there goes our general. And he ain't like the generals down here on earth who send all the boys into battle. Our general, he leads. And he's going to go and he's going to fight against wickedness. And he's going to take it out. And I go, oh, right. And we're just going to be spectators from what I can tell. But here's what John, the man who stood. he Now, I'm only trying to put you in the in the... In his shoes, he leaned on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he stood there, and I believe his, his jaw was one of the unhinged ones. And he saw Jesus taken up to the right hand of the Father. And this is what he wants to tell. This is what he wants to tell us. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. How great is his love? He says that we should be called the robots of God. And such we are. No. That we should be called 
the peons and servants and um, right? Is that what it says? What what do we get to be called? Children. The children, the sons. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew six, he said, "Pray in this manner: Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. High and lifted up is your name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth." as it is in heaven. Now he said, pray in this manner. When you start off your prayers, anyone ever wonder, why do we pray our Father when we start our prayers? And why do we always end in Jesus' name? Do you remember that in John's gospel? John wrote this for us in his gospel. He said, whenever you ask anything, ask in Jesus' name that you might receive. He says, you guys, you haven't tried this, but if you try this, Watch what happens when you ask the Father anything in my name, Jesus said, and it will be done for you, and your joy will be made full. Anybody like to get answered prayers? Is it nice when you pray and you get an answer? Me personally, since I'm so good at waiting, I like the fast answer, you know? Lord, could I have this? Boom, there you go. Thanks, Lord. You know, some things I prayed for and it didn't happen right away. Does that mean quit praying? No means continue to pray and, and wait to see. You know, we sang that psalm, Psalm 40 this morning. I waited for the Lord on high. I waited and he heard my cry. David declared he waited on the Lord. And that word wait there in Hebrew, it's a waiting with an expectation of the guy I'm waiting for that I'm crying out to. He has the ability. He has the power. He has the resources. He has everything necessary to answer that petition that I'm crying out to him about. He's got it all covered. I'm not waiting with, I hope God could do something. I'm not really sure if he could, or maybe if he's in a good mood or I get him on the right day. No, he's not fickle like earthly fathers. When John's writing this, he says, see how great a love God has toward us, that we are called his children. In the scriptures, what Paul writes, and also we don't know the author of Hebrews, but the author of Hebrews also makes mention that we get to cry out by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what God gives to us, to God, this beautiful four-letter word. It's from the Hebrew. Abba. It means father, or it really means dada. It's the equivalent of our dada, daddy. The first utterings of a little child when they cry out to their dad, dada. That's an intimate relationship between you and your father. That's the relationship. John says how great a love God has toward us that we get to have an intimate relationship where we call dad, well, dada. Who are we calling dada? Our heavenly father. Now, maybe you didn't have a good relation with your earthly father and didn't feel a closeness to him, or maybe you never even knew him. But this is one of the things that John says we have, that we get the, the privilege of calling upon God as our heavenly father. He's there for us. Now it says, we don't know, it says in verse two, it has not appeared to us yet what we shall be. When that veil does peel back, the sky is rent and, and Christ appears, what will happen to all the believers? In the moment when we see him, what's it say in 1 Thessalonians? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be made like him. This corruption 
will put on interruption. This mortal shell that you got, you're upgrading. Anyone ready for this one? Yeah. Incorruption, immortality. We're going to be swallowed up. It says death will be swallowed up with life. Life everlasting. When we see the Lord, we'll be like changed. Faster than a twinkle. A twinkle's how fast light refracts off your eye. You ever seen a twinkle in someone's eye? Just that little glint of light, just, just so fast, just a, a flash. That's how fast we're going to be changed. Now, for those of you that struggle with pain in your body, or like our brother Steve, who's fighting cancer right now, there's one thing Steve does know, that at the end of this, he's going to be changed. I've known Steve for a long time. His faith is real solid. This guy knows that even if we don't get to live till the coming of the day of the Lord, but we die, the Bible says if we believe in him, even though we die, we do not die, we, we live. And in 2 Corinthians, we read at the end of chapter 4 into chapter 5 that this momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. God is working something to last for eternity. And I know he's worked that in my brother Steve. Because Steve's going, I don't care, man. If this shell fails, I get a new one. But he's fully assured that as soon as his spirit leaves this earthly body, this tent, Paul calls it, it gets upgraded to a mansion. Not made by human hands, a building made by God. Now, some people think that building is an actual like mansion like we think of on earth. But I think Paul's trying to relate the relationship between this thing we're dwelling in right now that my spirit is in, this earthly body that is called a tent. Talk about a nice word picture, right? He says, this is a tent for my spirit. You see what you're looking at right here, guys? Look at my tent. Tents are okay for a while. If you've camped a bit, you know. They're fine, especially when the tent is new and all of the, the zippers on the tent are working and everything. But once they've been rolled up a few times, a little dirt's got in them, a little sand, and sometimes a little wind tweaks them and twists them and a little pole snaps here or there and you like tape it back together and patch it up and gets a little leak. Anyone feel like your body, that tent, what Paul calls it, is getting a few leaks, little stuff going wrong? See, Paul says you get to have a body made by God. This is how great a love God has for us. Now, when people hear this, there's something about our spirit inside that knows that God has made us with a purpose of eternity. He put it in us, this part of us that is, we don't do death well at all. Because we're not intended to die, we're intended to live with him. But not in these temporal bodies. When they saw Christ resurrected, his body had been changed. They saw it. And they saw his, his visage actually change. And they, they were like, whoa, look at this guy. In fact, before he died, three of the guys, does anyone remember the three fellows that went up to the Mount of, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. They went up with Jesus. He knew his time was coming to go to the cross. Who met with Jesus that day on the mount? Do you remember? Two, two really important guys from the Old Testament. Moses and Elijah. Moses represents the law. Elijah, the prophets. And these two visited with Jesus on the mount. And Jesus brought his inner circle, they were called. Peter, James, and John. 
And while they were there, it says that Jesus began to visit with Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah, those guys have been dead for a long time, right? They had walked on the earth many thousands of years prior, but here's Jesus talking to them, which tells me, after you die, are you really gone? You cease to exist? The whole teaching of you just turn into nirvana and just nothingness and it's a blip of darkness, and that's baloney. After you die, your spirit still lives. And these, these two came and they spoke to Jesus. And Jesus, it says, was transfigured. In other words, his visage was changed to radiant light. He just shined. They were like, he's brighter than the sun at high noon. He just, just gleaming. And so was Moses and Elijah, by the way. They were all white, bright light. Peter, he's like, excuse me, Lord, it's a good thing we're here. We should build three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Jesus is like, shh, don't tell anyone about this till after I'm gone. Till after I have what? Ascended. Don't tell about this. You got a little sneak peek. Why is it when someone dies and they, they're gone a while and they come back, that all of a sudden, all of the news reporters want to get an interview with them and say, so what did you see? Was there light? Was there a tunnel? Was it, you know, interestingly enough, these are different people's encounters with life. They don't call it death. Life after death. See, we don't die. We live. It's just where are you going to live? You are created by God to spend eternity with him, but God will not make you do it. He has granted to you a free will. And Although he's made the way for you to come to be with him, he doesn't force you to be. Because being forced would be, well, it's not real love. If, if he forced you to come to be with him, you'd be like a robot. And this verse would not be here. It would be, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we are the robots of God. And such we are. We have no choice. He made us with no choice. We have to go be with him and... What if we don't want to be? Well, too bad, we're robots. That's what it would be. He'd be a dictator, right? But he's a father, a heavenly father, who John says loves us so much, he calls us his children. He says, you're my children. Although it does not appear exactly what we shall be, it says we do know that when he appears, we shall be made like, like him. So I can tell you with just full assurance that you're going to be upgraded. Because when Peter and James and John talk about the transfiguration, they were freaked out. They were like, whoa, that was an upgrade. I mean, he was shining bright. I mean, Peter was so excited, he wanted to build tabernacles. You know what that is, like little tent houses there. Let's build a... Oh, I'm like, Peter, we need to charge a mission? This is where Jesus changed right in front of us. And Moses was there, and Elijah was there. We'll make one for each of them. Then they can go first to this one, and then to that one. The three, three shekels each, you know, one for each. No, two for Jesus's, and one for Moses, one for Elijah. Was he in charge? I mean, what was he? It must have been something so exciting. He didn't even know what to. He ever been so excited you say something stupid? Wet socks, Peter. Open mouth, insert foot. You know, that's Peter. He, he comes up with some real doozy sometimes in the scripture. By the way, this is what makes me 
appreciate the Bible even more is that these guys were real men. It doesn't hold any things like, if this was a, if this was a fable, if this was an untrue story, they would not tell you these little details about these guys doing these stupid things. They wouldn't. Because if it was like science fiction, they'd be like, hey, these are great guys, man. They're, they're the A-team. They're the A-apostles. They're part of God squad. They're just the right guy. And they would have had all great stories about them. We have a God that loves you so much. He's invited you to be one of his kids. And though you might have had a bad earthly experience down here, maybe you had, you know, you were rejected. Maybe you, you never knew your earthly parents. Let me tell you, you have a heavenly father that can trump any love that you get down here. His love is so complete toward us. And his plan for us is so, well, it's just marvelous. The more I learn about it, the more I, I think, this is the best job in the world. I get to tell you these great discoveries of the hope we have because the Bible says the hope we have is that we're going to have everlasting life. But we don't just get to find out that we get everlasting life. We get to find out we get upgrades. We don't even know what we'll be, but we know when he appears. This we do know. We will be made like him. That part is the part you need to focus on. So many times the devil likes to get us to, to wonder about things, what we don't know. That's a distraction, right? Isn't that like a best form of distraction? Get you wrapped up with something you don't know. Get you fumbling over stuff you don't even know. Instead of focusing on what we do know. We do know that when he appears, we will be made like him. Is there any sin in Christ? Is there any death in Christ? No, it's all been conquered. He took care of it. He said it's finished. Done. So do I have to worry? How about pain? bodily pain. Do you think when we get to heaven, we're going to have to worry about these achy joints? When I'm in my heavenly body, I am so excited, guys. Now, 1 John 3, 3 says this, that everyone that has this hope fixed on him, it says purifies himself, just as he is pure. This is one thing we know about Christ. He is pure. There's no darkness, no shifting of shadows. He is pure light, pure love. He's pure righteousness. That's Christ. Let me tell you what, you're not going to enjoy your Christian walk if you do not have the right hope for your faith. And John wanted to make sure that you would have that. So he tells you, you are called God's sons, his children. And we don't know what we'll be like, but we know we will be like, like him. And he will come again, and that hope will purify your heart. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what Jesus did for me. My life's a celebration
wonderful with 